1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends
2: Collection. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the Restless Ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is
0: now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
3: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You. From HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And on May 25th, 2012, the second annual Slut Walk Toronto is taking place. And we're talking about Slut Walks. And for, I guess, a warning for those about to listen to the rest of this podcast... Caroline and I are going to be throwing around the word slut Mm -hmm. willy-nilly, but we wanted to talk about the Slut Walk Toronto because it is where a feminist activist movement started last spring. Right, and it was sparked by comments from a police
2: officer. If you're familiar at all with the Slut Walk, you have probably read this story in the news about it, but... Uh, a police officer told students at York University in January of last year that women should not dress like sluts if they want to avoid getting sexually attacked.
3: Which is so off-base. I mean, I don't know if you could, uh, if there's another way to say, hey, ladies don't ask for it, uh, that brings up issues of victim shaming, mm-hmm. slut shaming, as it is often called in more feminist parlance. Uh, so the, some of the students in the audience listening to this questionable and sexist advice from this police officer, Michael, Michael Sanguinetti decided to take action and organize um, an event to to march and combat this notion that women should not feel safe if they want to wear more provocative or revealing clothing with the argument that women should be safe to walk around and go places without the threat of sexual violence or rape um, no matter what their what they're wearing
2: right I was actually telling my roommate about this topic and about what the police officer said and that the movement was about to was about making women feel comfortable being able to be outside in public and not feel like I'm wearing a skirt so I'm going to get attacked and he brought up a point that a lot of people have used to criticize this movement and he said well sure no woman shouldn't be raped for what she's wearing but shouldn't you know better
3: Ah, but see, someone like Heather Jarvis, who co-founded Slutwalk, um, and is also a survivor of sexual assault, would say that that's probably just an extension of the, you're asking for it, mm-hmm. argument. But, before we get any further, um, I think it's already clear that Slutwalks and, um, the, the idea behind it is controversial. And while there is a lot to be said for, the, um, the activism that these women in Toronto sparked because Walks ended up in 2011 taking place in over 200 cities around the world, including the U.S., Canada, Sweden, South Africa, India. Um, so it's incredible that they've, they've had this organizing power, but the way that it has manifested in what they're championing has also attracted controversy, not just from... People like the police officer who thinks that uh, women should cover up, um, but also from within feminist circles.
2: Right. One person who supports the movement is Jessica Valenti. She's an author and founder of Feministing.com, and she wrote for The Washington Post that this whole movement is a good thing and that it is a reminder of feminism's grassroots past and it heralds a new day in feminist organizing. She points out that maybe this movement is going to be more effective with younger women than with the well-funded and well-established feminist organizations.
3: Yeah, and we should also point out that in addition to these marches that uh, Slut Walk has been organizing, um, Heather Jarvis and other co-organizers have demanded that um, police training and education include non-discriminatory language, increased understanding of experiences of marginalization and oppression, and practices and protocols that support, support victims and survivors. So in in addition to to demonstrating they also have these um platforms for applicable change within um i guess in this situation the York University police system
2: right, and they posted on their website uh, their basically what they were requesting from the police department after this event. And they said that they really didn't get much of a response. The response that they got back from one of the PR people in the police department was sort of a generic, like, you know, we really strive to protect our citizens and we want to be seen as, you know, helping everybody. But Jarvis and others involved in this movement are arguing, you're not protecting us and you're not respecting us either. We don't feel safe going to you if you're just going to tell us that it was our fault because we wore a little dress.
3: And beyond just the the law enforcement community, the message that Slutwalk wants to deliver to the community at large is that, quote, our worth as human beings is not determined by our sexuality. And that's just one nugget of almost a constitutional preamble of slut walk that these women have developed. But I feel like that idea of your worth um, not being conflated by your sexuality um, is really gets to the heart of what. Slut walk is about. And in places like New Delhi that ha- held a slut walk last year, uh, there, there is a really, um, it is, it is pretty impressive that an event like this is taking place.
2: Yeah. They did change the name. Uh, there was an article in Time Magazine about the march in New Delhi, and they basically pointed out that it was toned down just because of cultural differences, essentially. They changed the name from Slutwalk to Shameless Front, and they, you know, there was not really much of that skimpy clothing going around. Um, but the goal was the same, and it was to draw attention to the growing problems of harassment and violence that women in India face. They point on the article that rape cases in the country have grown 678% over the past 30 years, they do attribute some of the change to the fact that, you know, more people are probably reporting the violence, but they attribute some of it also to the fact that there are more women out of the house and getting jobs. The economy is such that more women are becoming financially independent. And so there's sort of an upset of the traditional cultural divisions.
3: Yeah. So whereas in um, more of the Western world, we might take for granted uh, safety when we're going to and from our jobs or from our homes to other excursions. Um, whereas in more gender segregated societies, um, there are direct threats of, of violence for, for women leaving the home. Um, and, and we mentioned the, that there were none of the, the skimpy clothes in the New Delhi march. Um, but that reminds me that we haven't really painted a picture of what a slut walk might look like in case listeners have not seen photos of it
2: that's true largely young women Mm -hmm. although they do there are some men that march with them
3: and a lot of them are wearing bras and underwear yeah the point is to wear whatever you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. but also you know there's clearly the provocative nature of it saying hey women should be able to wear bras panties corsets cut off shorts, uh, whatever they want, and still feel safe. So you'll see, you know, a lot of images of, of the women in bras and uh, also men <laughs> in lingerie as well. But then you'll also have put folks in sweatpants. You don't yeah. have to wear. It's just
2: sort of the march is providing a safe space. Like, look at us. We're wearing what we're comfortable in. We're banding together in a safe space where we will not be attacked.
3: And as a result, probably because of that provocative nature, um, and because of using the word slut to get people's attention and to organize people, um, the, the movement attracted a ton of media attention. And now going into 2012, we're seeing the second year, um, and it'll be interesting to see how it, um, how it continues, whether or not it has the same amount of participation as it did last year, which is Partially why I wanted to, to talk about it on the podcast. Also because we've had some, some listeners writing in and requesting an episode on it. And we also have to talk about the fact that not everybody thinks this is a great idea.
2: No. Uh, not only because of the word slut. Not only because of the way people are dressing. But how this march, this movement, fits into larger cultural norms in our society and, uh, Valenti, who we mentioned earlier, cites Gail Dines, who's an anti-pornography activist, and Wendy Murphy, who's a victim's rights advocate, uh, who say that organizers are playing into the patriarchal hands and embracing a, quote, pornified consumer sexuality by protesting with their skimpy outfits. So they're saying, you're still inside, you're, you're protesting from within, you're still inside the whole patriarchal system of, of wearing skimpy things. We're still, we're still looking at ourselves through the eyes of other people.
3: Right. It's the question of, um, using, the usefulness of using sexuality as a tool of empowerment, which May Aziz, writing for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, um, writes about in a column. She's taking issue with the attitude that sexuality is power and that this movement is about letting women freely identify as sluts because, um, the whole ethos of slut walk, in their own words, is that our worth as human beings is not determined by our sexuality. And people like Aziz might argue that, well, isn't what you're doing simply wielding your sexuality as some kind of tool, thereby, you know, defining yourself based on your dress and how you perform in the bedroom? Yeah.
2: And this whole issue of claiming or reclaiming the word slut is making a lot of people angry, understandably. And Aziz says that uh, because Jarvis, uh, Heather Jarvis, one of the co-founders, argues that reclaiming slut is like reclaiming queer. Mm-hmm. And Aziz is claiming that it's, it's not the same. And because she says that slut can't be turned into a positive thing because it's been used to abuse people for so long. And she said that we should really be reclaiming feminist instead of slut because that's the word that people are so afraid to use.
0: Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: I can definitely relate to the confidence part because...
0: And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises.
1: So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience
0: in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls Sundays on NBC and stream anytime.
3: Yeah, this this question of how feminism directly relates to Slut Walk has come up a lot as well, because um, some of the the organizers have distanced themselves. From that feminist language, which is kind of ironic because if you could pick two words in the English language that are polarizing, I mean, you can't get much more polarizing than slut and feminist. Um, <laughs> if you want to, uh, to describe women uh, and Megan Murphy over at the F word blog writes, I was hard pressed to find anyone actually talking about feminism and she's uncomfortable with slut being used as a way to empower women since it's a word, like you said, Caroline, that has been used so systematically to hurt and shame women.
2: And is it the right argument? Are we arguing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I understand that the slut walk, as it's called, is, is in direct response to the police officer in Toronto, his use of that word. But is it the same for everyone? Are we still arguing the right thing? And Tracy Clark Flory at Salon writes that she is tired of the polarizing rhetoric. That people are calling you either a prude or a slut, that there's no in between, that you can't be a prudish slut, or, you know, that, that you have to identify as one or the other almost.
3: Right, because if you, if we're reclaiming the word slut to mean an empowered woman who is, um, safe in her identity and, um, can be, uh, outspoken and independent and all of these, all of these positive attributes, then what is the opposite of that does that mean that people who might typify as more prudish who might not be so comfortable revealing a lot of a lot of flesh
2: yeah i mean there were a lot of columnists who wrote about this who said when i read about slutwalk i was totally on board with the message the idea behind it i supported these women but I don't want to call myself a slut. There, it's, it's
3: loaded. It's a loaded word, obviously. Mm-hmm. But some of the most vocal opposition to slut walk has actually come from the black feminist community that says, Hey, slut walk, we get what you're trying to do. And the, the goal, the ultimate goal of it, totally on board with that. But we, we don't see ourselves anywhere in this movement represented in this movement at all.
2: Right. That was a statement in an open letter from black women to the slut walk on blackwomensblueprint.org. And they said that we find no space in slut walk. Slut has different associations for black women. And they write that as black women, we do not have the privilege or the space to call ourselves slut without validating the already historically entrenched ideology and recurring messages about what and who the black woman is. And so they point out that different people's histories really require a different strategy to combat this violence against women.
3: Right. And um, a writer over at the Crunk Feminist Collective, um, who describes herself as a black woman of the hip-hop generation, um, takes issue with the fact that um, the, the origin of Slut Walk felt very much like the protests of privileged white girls who still have an expectation that the world will treat them with dignity and respect. Whereas... She writes, uh, and I'm, again, directly quoting from her, black women have always been understood to be lascivious, hypersexed, and always ready and willing. Whereas, uh, by comparison, this idea of slut walk in, coming up in 2011 is somehow something new and offensive.
2: Yeah, so they're basically saying, why would a woman of color who has been abused with that word for so long want to reclaim it? Like, how can we turn that into something positive, like these marchers uh, are saying that we can? Mm-hmm.
3: And at some point, it probably does sound like this this controversy around slut walk and the idea of reclaiming the word slut and street harassment and sexual assault it boils into this, uh you know, all this infighting in the feminist blogosphere. But I still feel like it's important to talk about because... Like it or not, whether you're on board with it or not, Slutwalk nevertheless does represent one of the largest, you know almost mainstream feminist activism movements
0: yeah
3: that we've seen that I've seen at least in my lifetime. I mean, I, we've seen like marches, women's march on the capitol, but it, but that's one singular event going to one singular place whereas this is sparked, it's almost like the Occupy movement. Sparked mm-hmm. all over these these different cities in a very grassroots kind of way, and I think that it says because it's led by women of our generation, I think it says a lot about um, body politics, where we are with the idea of feminism, and where the personal and the political meet. And a lot of times, that that sadly does, I think, sadly, unfortunately, only ties into. The bedroom, like sexuality, using sexuality as empowerment. Well,
2: we could also ask where they're going to take this. Right. Is this going to stay a march that happens in individual cities, or is this going to become a movement? Is it going to help educate young women about their bodies, about sexual identity, sexual safety, anything like that? Like, what what is the next step for the Slut Walk? Is mm-hmm. it is it going to stay the way it
3: is, or is it going to evolve? And and on that on that no, Caroline, um, just to bring up. One more point about this controversy over um, inclusiveness, racial inclusiveness in Slutwalk. Uh, Robin Given, who's a fashion critic for The Daily Beast and Newsweek, says that um, because of the potential of that end goal, um, she says the reverse is also possible. It would seem to me that black women might have an even more powerful reason to want to diffuse the power of the word slut. So it's kind of moving away from this um, I guess more intensive examination and looking at the, the potential long view of how how it could affect women. but but still, there is this question of whether or not it is that useful to reclaim slut, right And for that reason, I want to get to the bottom of where slut even came from. So can you can you tell me Woodsmith Smith Caroline? Um, yeah, it, it's pretty old. Slut is pretty
2: old. Uh, th- uh This is from a live science post that popped up after the whole Rush Limbaugh birth control slut debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, th- They write that the word slut first showed up in print when Chaucer wrote in the 14th century that a sloppy male character was sluttish. So right away, the word is associated with people who are kind of dirty. By the 15th century, the word was being used to describe kitchen maids and sloppy, dirty women.
3: So it took barely a hundred years for the application to switch really from men to women, and it has that low class, low economic class association. Um, and <laughs> just to emphasize that, uh, old, ye old terms for, um, uh, dust bunnies, Slut bunnies yeah. and garbage bins were referred to as sluts' holes. So garbage. When we're talking about when we're throwing around the word slut, it is not a nice word. No, it really is not.
2: No, they Chaucer did not mean that that guy had a great uh, great character or personality.
3: <laughs> right, and and we've mentioned Tracy Clark Flory from Salon before, talking about how she was fed up with the dichotomy of slut versus prude. But then afterwards, once the whole Rush Limbaugh, slut fiasco, happened, she wrote another column saying, you know what, I wasn't on board with claiming this word until that happened. And she goes on to quote Leora Tenenbaum, who's the author of Slut? Growing Up With a Bad Reputation. She says the slur is used frequently by girls against other girls, and it's a way for women to displace anxiety about their own sexuality. And I... I I can kind of see where I see where oh, she's yeah. coming from. Yeah,
2: <laughs> for sure. I mean, I feel like that word was I was not even comfortable with that in college culture. I feel like that was thrown around a lot like, hey, slut, what's up? Mm-hmm. That, it's icky. I don't I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Um, But Clark Flory does point out that reclaiming or rejecting slut is personal and it does depend on context. So it might be comfortable for some people to call their friends that for whatever reason, or to identify that because of some sexual identity, but it's not the same for everyone.
3: I'm not going to start calling you slut anytime soon as a Thank you. as a fun gal pal name, Caroline. No, not unless you want to get in a slap fight. That's okay. for sure. Um, Clark Florey also
2: quotes Bikini Kill's Kathleen Hanna, who performed on stage with The Word written on her stomach, and she... she Quoted Hannah, who said that this whole displaying the word so prominently on her body in large letters would be like holding up a mirror to the men who were already looking at her picture and thinking that. So like, oh, you think I'm a slut up here on stage? Well, here you go.
3: Here, yeah. Yeah. Have fun. Have fun. I've already called myself one. So when, you know, you try to label me as one, it's just going to be pointless because yeah. I've already done it. Um, but it really, as Clark Flory emphasizes, the difficulty of reclaiming slut is that it's so divisive and it is so hard to define. It mm-hmm. is used by some, some people as a casual, what's up? This is funny. You're, hey, s- hey, slut, hey, s- <laughs> you don't sound content. Hey, take that paper to the slut's hole. Actually, oh, no, no one ever says that. No, no one ever does. <laughs> um, whereas for other people, it is used as a slur to right. say, to, to point out, um, a woman in particular who may have
0: slept with someone who was not her betrothed. Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something
2: He constantly bricks threes and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With Geico, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Or one columnist pointed out, and I mean, I, I, I feel like this is common knowledge and, and a lot of women have experienced this, but you can be called a slut for anything. Yes. If you, if you have sex with someone. If you don't have sex with a particular someone, Mm -hmm. if you wear something that is too short in someone's mind. Right. So it can be used to abuse all sorts of women. And
3: men. And men. That's true. For instance, author Alice Walker takes a more positive view of the word slut. Uh, she said that, I always understood slut to mean a woman who freely enjoys her own sexuality. The spontaneous movement that has grown around reclaiming this word speaks to women's resistance of having names turned into weapons against them. Uh, which, I mean, I think that's not a bad idea. Sure. Absolutely. You should try to
2: um, declaw things that are used to abuse you. Mm-hmm. But I just don't I, I don't know if I, I support the idea. I don't support the word. Um, and, you know, I asked earlier where you think this is going, uh, how you think it'll evolve. And Anita Sarkeesian over at Feminist Frequency said that, yes, the word has garnered a lot of attention for the movement. But she points out that attention is not typically about violence against women at all, but instead about how women should or shouldn't dress, which is a completely regressive conversation that does not help anti-violence activism. So people are talking about their clothes, they're marching in their bras, they're saying, rightfully so, I should be safe in whatever I wear, but should the attention evolve
3: beyond that? Yeah, I mean, that's my big question of whether or not it is affecting the cultural change necessary to... Make women safe, not only just on the streets, but also in situations like acquaintance rape, Mm -hmm. which is the most common form of sexual assault for women on college campuses, where this whole thing began. Right. How are, are these parades? Are these marches? Are these, you know, these these online and grassroots movements really getting into people's brains beyond just the feminist blogosphere and the people who are marching in their bras or in sweatpants. Um, and that's something that... Uh, And that's something that Salamisha Tillett, writing for The Nation, says, um, in order for it to be more than a passing fad, it has to become a healthy marriage of substance and spectacle, a movement that builds on the anti-rape activism of black women. And that's the thing. Slutwalk did a great job with the spectacle. They got attention not just within feminist circles, not just within college groups, but beyond into mainstream media organizations. And that is incredible. But... You've got to have a substance there as well. And I think that 2012 will be a crucial year for them to do that and see whether or not they will have made progress beyond, um, making signs and, uh, wearing garter belts. Exactly. So we applaud, we applaud with the, the, the ethos behind slut walk. But I think that there is a reason why it's controversial, and I think that it's good that these kind of debates have come up because I think that um, that that we should re-examine our motivations for it and how we can really make the streets safe because that's something that I'm not going to argue against at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's all we're going to say about slut walk.
2: Yeah. Now let's hear from you. Are you offended by the word? Do you identify with the word?
3: Have you participated in a slut walk? Let us know. Mom at discovery.com is where you can send your emails. And speaking of safety, we've got a couple emails here in response to our episode on potty politics. This is coming from Carly who writes as a gender nonconforming person who is constantly confronted with many issues brought up. I thought I should write in. I happen to be a tall female bodied person with short hair who wears very gender neutral clothing, while well, I could probably pass well enough to use the men's room, I always choose to use the women's room, even if there is a line. Every time the need comes up, I consider my options. Sometimes my thought is, I'm technically female, so I should stick with the people I know I'm technically allowed. But more often my thought is, any hassle i receive in the women's room will be verbal and probably not physical, whereas the men's room is an unknown quantity. And hassle is exactly what I get for all of my efforts and consideration. About a third of the time, I'm confronted by other women, sometimes just in surprise or confusion, sometimes in downright anger at my trespassing on a woman's only space. And each time I politely explain that I am actually female. To this, I receive everything from pure embarrassment and apologies to continued hostility. And another third of the time, I get stares, whispers behind my back or women pulling their children closer to them. To these, I usually try to smile politely, avoid eye contact, and get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. The last third, I thank the baby Jesus that I ended up in the bathroom alone. Most of the time, I try to avoid using public restrooms at all costs. When it is unavoidable, I try to be as quick and unobtrusive as possible. Most of the time, the stares and comments are minor but constant annoyance. Occasionally, however, I end up in situations where I definitely feel like my appearance is putting me in actual danger, all for the sin of breaking the illusion of a meaningful dichotomy between sexes in this apparently sacred place. Occasionally, however, I end up in situations where I definitely feel like my appearance is putting me in actual danger, all for the sin of breaking the illusion of a meaningful dichotomy between sexes in this apparently sacred place. I've been thinking about this a lot more since I've recently moved to the South from California to go to grad school and have been introduced to the whole new level of anxiety that is a small-town gas station. I think it might be time to just pull on a trucker hat, venture to the men's room, and hope for the best.
2: This email is from Jesse, also about our uh, bathroom podcast she said i'm a lesbian woman more on the butch side i can't remember a time when i wasn't a tomboy and have had multiple instances in my life where i've been in the women's bathroom and another woman will come in look me up and down and give me a questionable look one time the woman actually walked out to make sure she didn't make a mistake i've actually gotten scolded once or twice for being in the wrong bathroom which is pretty degrading when you're a woman and know the symbol for women's room i know what bathroom i'm in I have actually had to give my best modeling pose that shows off my boobs to get out of the situation. I personally think that unisex bathrooms are the way to go. Not only do they allow for potentially shorter lines, but they also prevent embarrassing or otherwise ostracizing situations that can potentially be damaging to someone's self esteem, especially if you don't look like the stereotypical woman or man. Having gendered bathrooms just adds more separation and definitions in a world that is already full of them, which inevitably leads to stereotypes and judgments. If I always had a unisex bathroom to go into, there would never be any questions, comments, or looks, and I would always be able to pee in peace.
3: Thanks, Jesse, And thanks to Carly as well and everyone else who has written in. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And if you'd like to see what we're up to during the week, you should have, head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented
1: 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's rosewater collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben, dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good, because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you
0: by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show
1: is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and
0: romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction.
1: And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100%
0: fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC.
1: The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.